Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back in the jail, the boss man showed Jimmy Oakman of the Brooklyn Nets, Long Island Nets' player development and video coordinator. Jimmy, how you doing, brother? Good to talk to you, man. Oh, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me on. Now, Jimmy, are you have a great career in basketball. You wrote two books. You worked your way up, man. Now you're in the NBA and the G League level. Now, so talk to me, Jimmy. When did you first get the urge to want to get be in basketball beyond just playing and wanting to coach in it and do getting the video and coaching and scouting? So how did you get into this role, man? Do you want to say, hey, this is my career path going forward? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to be involved in sports in some way, shape, or form. I never thought I was going to be good enough to play pro in anything. I was probably a better baseball player than anything. And um, going into college, I didn't go to play sports. I went to UMass purposefully. Uh, I grew up during the Marcus Camby era, so UMass was all the rage back then. I figured I'm going to go there, and they had a great sports management program. And I got hooked up with the basketball team there and started doing some things. And uh, I knew quickly, like, hey, this is what I want to do. Uh, I'm always, you know, I was out playing pickup, you know, four or five hours a day. And I'm like, man, if I can make a career out of this and still have that competition side of me, there's nothing better than that. Most definitely, and I, and also when Cal was there, so he was a great coach, and John Cal, Cal, Cal Perry there. So, did he? How much has he helped you in your career for us? Teach, giving you the little nuggets here and there on how to, you know, look, look at some schemes and understand defense, offensives, and also breaking down tape because being a video coordinator is so key to breaking down the tape for the coach, getting them reports ready for scouting reports and shooting rounds ready for guys so they know who they're going to get to every night there. He, he was there before me. He, so he was there when I was growing up. But Derek Kellogg became the head coach at UMass when I okay. was there. Kellogg played for him. So uh, he came from Memphis when Cal was there, and they had to run. So a lot was probably, you know, <laughs> very, very similar. <laughs> so I, I loved it, like getting to see him take over the program and uh, from scratch and being an alum. It was, you know, there's more passion being an alum for your school and being the coach there. So it was something for me that I was like, man, this is tremendous being able to dive into that. And I learned a lot from everybody on staff there. Yeah, Derek, that's my guy. He coaches the LIU Brooklyn. Or well, still LIU Brooklyn with something else. They're the Sharks now, ain't they? The Sharks. Those those yeah, white they, colors now. <laughs> yeah, they went from the Blackbirds or whatever to like the blue and yellow. And uh, so they combined everything, but I he's doing a job there. Yes, indeed. Now, Jimmy, for you, man, uh, so – I mean, let's talk to you about as a video coordinator, man. What do you think about that in that role you're in, and how do you attack it, knowing know what players want to see, what what coaches want to see? So, how do you kind of 
divvy up the film so because every guy different what, 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 what they want to see on film. So how do you divvy up for certain assistant coaches who have certain certain scouts, head coach, and players? How's it all work? Yeah, for me, like I view my role as just being the right hand man to the head coach. Um, whatever he needs, like I'm going to be there for. I'm trying to be proactive. So if there's something that comes up, like you know, we can buy some time because I'm already ahead of the game a little bit. The assistants, I kind of do the groundwork early and try to get them up to speed with video if they don't know the system and kind of how we do things. Um, and then, like, I have my own scouts as well, and making sure that whatever help that they might need with their own, I'm going to be there for them as well. Uh, but mainly, like, I try to look at it as, you know, let's take as much off the head coach's plate as possible. How can we condense things? What's going to make him understand what we're trying to do in the least amount of time? Because he has so much on his plate as it is. And how far ahead do you look for is the schedule? I know the NBA games come at you fast, so in, in G League is where they come at you fast. So how far ahead do you start looking at film of other teams, getting those advanced scouts from, from your area scouts, regional scouts, to say, hey, we got to kind of put the groundwork here now. We know we got to see them in a week or two, but here, here's what we got so far. So we, So in the G League, like, unfortunately, we don't have the – advanced scouts. So we rely on what Brooklyn was doing a lot of the time and, and trying to get the intel from those guys because a lot of time it matches up. But we kind of, before the season began, we divvied up the scouting, the scouts kind of to spread them out a little bit. So we gave ourselves ample time kind of looking ahead. So, you know, if I got the first game, another coach got the second, someone else got the third, fourth, and then hopefully if like a full rotation goes by before it's my end again, so I can have, you know, I can watch five games or so to get caught up to what I want to show the guys. Now, there was a time, like, twice this year, I had back-to-back -back scouts. We played, like, Friday, Saturday, and I had both games. Um, I kind of did that purposefully because I knew with the video load I'd be able to handle. I didn't want anyone else to kind of deal with that headache. And, and so everybody was kind of spread out a little bit. I think that was the best way to kind of handle it. And uh, I think it works really well. You just got to be really prepared. And, you know, time management at this level is paramount to anything. Oh, definitely, Jimmy. I feel like, you know, it's so intensive because, you know, to the naked eye, this just look like a pick and roll, but you don't know if they're two-timing it or they got some on the strong side, on the strong side. So you, it's a little bit more to it what people can see unless, you, unless you're in the game like you and I are. And so it's like, you know, it's not just that basic. Coach, they want to see all the drop coverages where they, how they hedge in the pick and roll, get in the gaps and slots there. So it's like, hey, <laughs> it's more to it than just what we sell TV. So, like, where is it set exactly on the floor? What hand? Who's in the corner? Which side is it on? How much time is it? What wrinkles do they have? Is it an ATO? It's going to, like like you said, it looks like something, but it's not. And uh, you, you got to be prepared. You don't want your head coach looking down at you at the bench, like, why didn't you know what's cut? Like, why? we never seen that, or we didn't talk about it. So you, you've got to know, hopefully, all the answers before the questions are even asked. Now, part of the play development piece, Jimmy, is getting guys to understand what they're watching on film. So, how much work do you sit with the with guys on the Long Island Nets or the up of the big team of the Nets to teaching them how to look at the young guys, how to look at film, understand the film, and correlate to the game plan that we go over shoot around and in meetings here and in film session? Yeah. I think that's the biggest key between going from the college level to the pro world is how much ownership the individual needs to take on themselves. Um, they're not going to be so much as coddled like they I think they do in college a little bit, but the guys that we've had in our organization from that I've my experience, and especially in G League, have, have been unbelievable as far as wanting information. And our assistants here and a great, like, one-on-one -on -one with the player, like, let's sit down, let's watch some film, let's talk about it. And, you know, as the season goes along, those younger guys, like the first-year guys, they learn so much so quickly. And they're, they're the ones starting to ask questions. Hey, can you send me stuff on this? Can you, 
Uh, so you develop a bond and relationship with them. And hopefully like nowadays, like so much stuff pops up on Twitter, like I'll see something, I'll shoot it to the guy. Like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Or, you know, you see Dame Lillard come off the ball screen. Like, this, like we can do this too. Like, you know, or Patty Mills manipulates this. He's good at this. Can we, let's work on that. Um, so, so it's not just watching themselves. I'm trying to mimic what they could become in the NBA. Most definitely. Cause you know, the eyes of the sky don't lie. No, that film does not lie, man. You can learn so much from that film, and you can just learn so much basketball because, you know, if you look at that film and those still shots, you can kind of pick up on what guys do, their dominant hands. Because I feel like the scouting report and the film go hand in hand. A lot of times young men don't quite understand that coming into the league, that, hey, the scouting report in the film is kind of report. It's kind of showing you that on paper, what you're watching on film here. And so you know where to say the guy, not to say the guy to, who to help on, who not to help on. You know, let this guy take it. Content, don't run into <laughs> like it's so much. But that scouting report is a verification on the film right there, Jimmy. And all guys got to learn it, learn it early for sure. Oh, that's a big piece of the player development is understanding the scouting report and being able to take what the coaches are trying to give to you and apply it. That's just as much of a skill as shooting or whatever. Like, can you keep a guy from going to his right hand? Like, can you get him into the ball screen and force him to his weak hand? Or those things are just as important that, you know, it doesn't matter what the box score says. If you get burnt every time defensively because you didn't follow the scouting report, you're never going to make it. That's exactly. And, and, you know, Jimmy, what I love, what I love about the league is that, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they love to come in scores, but defensively, where you really got to get on the ball, I feel like a lot of guys don't understand the NBA defenses when they get in the league because they in college play a lot of zones and mix and matches. Now, the Raptors play a lot of zone, which is rare. So does the Mavericks and Miami, of course. But most teams are going to play you man to man, and you got to really defend those slots and gaps where they're going to either build a wall for you and say, hey, get you in rotation. So the defense in the NBA, Jimmy, in G League is where guys really have to develop the most, honestly, in my opinion. No question. No question. I think you see that a lot um, with guys that are coming in, either leave early for the draft and end up in the G League or whatever the case might be. When you're scouting teams, you, you can kind of see, especially early on, them being late for rotations, them not understanding the help, the NBA rules or overhelping or you know, teams in college, their helpline, they're standing under the basket. But the NBA, like, you can't leave guys in the corner. So, like, they got to understand those things that uh, little nuances of the rules that, you know, we're not going to leave that. Even if he's a 35% shooter, 34, whatever, and from that corner, you better stay on him. And weak side, like, you better hold your spot and be ready to rotate. Uh, and you see it. And you see the gradual growth as the year goes along. So, you know, like, teams and players are starting to understand what it should look like. Especially, you know, what I love is by – I talked about this a lot of different coaches is that, you know, the drop coverage for, on, on the pick and roll. That is really like, you know, the thing that these days, hey, some teams are going to hedge it and follow it with the five. Some of us going to drop it and force it into the paint and you give up three-pointer, of course. But, like, that, to me, the NBA thing is that that drop coverage, Jimmy, and a lot of guys don't understand it. I had it when it was coming to the league, but that's what they do. It's a drop coverage not rather than then, you know, or – Fourth quarter is going to happen. It's going to be isolation. going to run either one, five, or one, four, pick and roll. If you're switching it one through four, the five man's on you. It's like, <laughs> so it's like, you got to be able to defend the guards coming down. He'll let you as a five or four man in the NBA now these days. That's just a skill to be developed as well when you come to the league and G League as well. Yeah, I think that's huge. And you're always trying to bait that long too, you know, like off the dribble, especially if you can get guys to sucker into that, you know, 20 foot pull up two pointer. That's what you want. And like, as you said, 
bigs now, like you're seeing them get smaller and smaller. It's not so much because they're shooting, I think. I think it's because they need to be doing a better job defensively and being able to stay in front of those quick guards. Most definitely. And that's why I love the game is becoming like a position of basketball, Jimmy. It's like a five man can be six foot eight or six foot nine now. You know, the Rockets, they're a little bit too small, but hey, the, the idea is there because <laughs> you want to be able to switch one through five because when you got guys put you downhill, you got to be able to move your feet and defend. <laughs> and you got to have a, a mobile four or five minute can defend those one, 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 through, one through threes and uh, explosive four that can come downhill at you. Yeah, I mean, everybody would love to have those six, eight, 230 pound guys can defend one through five. I, I don't think anybody would shy away from wanting that. <laughs> so, <laughs> really versatile. Yes, indeed. And so, Jimmy, when you're showing young men uh, who they can become in the G League, so how they self accept that when they want to be developed into who they who they want to be, get a get a contract on 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 the NBA team, a guaranteed deal, where they on on the bench there, one one to fifteen. So, how do you get a young man to buy in and say, "Hey, I see these skills in you." We can develop your gear here if you put in the work and do what we're trying to show you. How do you get a young man to buy into that idea when they've been the man in college or overseas and coming to the G League there? Yeah, I think that's the biggest question that you kind of run into. And I th someone mentioned it last night on a Zoom I was talking, but they said, like, obviously you're not going to show them LeBron, right? Because physically you're never going to match up to him. So you got to be realistic about it. And I think the guys that I've been able to work with, one player in particular, like he, he's a locked, like knockdown shooter good with the ball, like makes great decisions, plays hard defensively and uh, undersized shooter. But like, you know, my thought is, can we get you to be like the next Bryn Forbes? Can you be a Patty Mills type? Can you be those guys that you're a secondary ball handler, great shooter, competes defensively, understands the defense? So for him, it, it was, it made all the sense in the world, right? Like the guys in the G League uh, that, that do make it, understand they're going to have a role in the NBA. They're not going to be the elites of the elite. And so when you get that, you hopefully you can talk with them through it. And like Matt Thomas, how did Matt Thomas get a career in the NBA after being overseas? And he does everything in the Skyrim for. He doesn't make mistakes. He's obviously a lights out shooter, obviously. Like <laughs> that's why he's there. But he can do all the other things at an above average level and he competes hard. And that's what I think I try to convey to the guys that you can never sacrifice your effort and intensity at which you do things. And if you have an elite skill, we got to get that even better to make the next level. And the Nets did a great job over the past few years of developing talent. I mean, the young guys the Nets have is like one of the characteristics with you guys on your staff because, hey, I saw your guys make improvements, you know, and that's what I'm hoping for the Atlanta Hawks here in Atlanta that will happen for our young men over here at the Hawks. But the Nets, I saw from what the program you all built, it's like your young men on your team are developing, and now you got to the point where you could sign on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving now because of the development of your, your young talent and how that mesh with those two superstars is going to be great to see, see here going forward. Yeah, I think player development can really drive your culture of what you want of your program, no matter where you're, whether it's high school, AAU, college. If you take, like, player development as, like, your backbone of everything, I think your culture will fall in line. I think your players going to get better, so your team's going to be better. And obviously that's going to translate to wins. I think once you get everybody buying into the same page of, hey, let's, you know, everyone needs to get better. And if you see improvements, it's only going to help. And Jimmy, for us, play development pieces. So when you're trying to develop a, a plan for a guy, what all goes into whether you want to make him a shooter, make him be more of a pick and pop guy, be a flare guy, rim roll guy. And defensively, how you develop, develop him in defensively? I know a lot of his offensive development that you see, but how you also develop on the defensive field of the floor for drills and make the guys get developed defensively? Because that's, you know, if you stop somebody from scoring, you can never keep a job in the league and score as well. Yeah, I think that's, 
it's very specific to each guy. Um, and, and you're trying to develop, trying to figure out who he was as a player, what he can become, what he can tap into, what he's going to look like if he, when he physically matures. Um, some guys come from, you know, elite programs where they've had strength conditioning coaches. And then you're looking at guys maybe that didn't have a great program when they came into it. So you're thinking maybe there's something to be tapped into there. Uh, so, you're, so you're always trying to figure out that role. Uh, and, and I think the G League as a whole and talking to a lot of guys that I know, it's not just so much getting them to be the best player for your organization. They're also trying to think what's going to help this guy earn the most money, whether it's with you and you can make the protein like the parent club, or you can get him over to a Euro league team and make more money over there. So like we're like, you're talking about no mid range shots. Like a lot of the NBA people talking about it. Well, if the big is never going to be a stretch five, they can shoot it outside. But, you know, if he plays in Europe, maybe he needs to make that 15-footer. Like, so we still need to work on that to an extent. Maybe it's not what we do, but it's keeping his interests, you know, in the back of our minds, like what's going to help him. Um, so, so it can – and different teams do it differently. Like a lot of teams will focus more on what that player can become, not just for them. Um, some people more, it's like 100% just, hey, your role with us is going to be this, and we can help you make more money overseas too, if that's the case. And it goes, there's no right or wrong way, but I think you need to find out what they do well early on and then kind of let them grow into that while you're slowly trying to add things. Defensively, um, like you kind of said, I think versatility in the G League is really, really big. I think oh, show that you can defend, you know, two through four, NBA teams are going to pay more attention. Now, if you can only defend a point guard in the G League and you're 5'11", I mean, you have to be honest with yourself. Like, how many 5'11 point guards in the NBA can only defend one position and make it? It's hard. And it can be done, but, you know, if you're 6'5", and, you know, you've got a strong build and you're strong enough to battle some four men, you're probably going to be able to carve out a niche a little bit easier. So, to that point, I think, I think you're starting to see more G League teams switch one through four for sure, but mostly a lot of them are trying to switch one through five just to see, can we ha does this guy have those skills? Um, and you're always trying to work on staying in front of the ball. Like, can you play, you know, two on two, three on three, stuff like that that are helping them. You know, we're not just playing guards versus guards. It's guards versus wings versus bigs, and we're switching. So you better, you know, front the post, be tough, be physical, and you're always trying to work on different things for those guys. And how much do you all experiment with guys for us in, in game stories? Because you don't really want you can do work on it all day long. But how much? How how, how do you some do you go in the game so that we was experiment with this scheme and see if this guy can do this scheme and kind of feature guys certain games to kind of see what the guy can do? Because it's a developmental league. You want to win games, of course, but you kind of tinker and see what a guy can do. Give them a different situation. Say, hey, okay, maybe you can see if he can do this tonight for us. We kind of evaluate him that way. I think. I don't think we probably change the scheme too much, but we change their position, I think. I, I think you, what you have to do is if a guy came from the NBA and he's like, he's a four-man in the NBA, well, we might put him out there at the five, like, and just see what it looks like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, he's not really comfortable out there, but let's try it out. Or a guy comes down, he's always been a pretty good shooter and okay with the ball. He's played like the two to three. Let's give him the ball. Let's see what it looks like, you know? Maybe that's going to help his career. Maybe we can, like, find some diamond in the rough with skill that he didn't really have before or guys that have always been like he's a knockdown shooter let's put him in the corner well hey let's give him the ball like maybe maybe it works out maybe it doesn't but um you know maybe a guy's like you think he's a liability defensively but he always knows the right spots well let's play him against a bigger guy and force him to compete a little bit harder and, and see what you got I think you're always trying to roll the dice um in this league like there's games that we've had only seven guys on our roster that can play so it's like you better start playing you know you were initially a two but today you're a four Yes. You were three, four, and 
you're six four. Well, you got to defend the five tonight. I don't know what to tell you. you. I mean, we got no one else on the bench that can do it. But so it, it forces you to kind of you know think that way where you got to be all right. We got our three guys that can play the five. We got our three guys that can play the four. Well, you know we need six guys that know the five position just because whatever happens. Rosters happen, and you know you got to be able to adjust. I think that's the beauty of the G League. Most definitely, I love I love it because you know I love watching the G League games on on my phone and stream because seeing guys you know try to compete for a job, Jimmy, is just so amazing. Because these guys really care about the game, and love the game because they're they're competing for their lives and livelihoods. So those young men have the idea to one just be like, hey, look. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I want to get to that the Nets roster. I want to get to the Hawks roster, not just being in the G League my whole life. You know, I want to make it for real, for real. Yes, I think that's the beauty behind it. Like we just said, like that's why I loved when I coached Division Three before, is because those guys they're not getting a scholarship. They're not probably going to play professionally, but they love the game, so they're there to compete. The G League is much like that. Like they're there to make this a livelihood now. Like they're earning a paycheck. Like they know. Hey, if I miss the bus, I miss a flight, like I could be cut. Like my it could end tomorrow. So you're getting them at their best. And when you have that, it makes the experience so much better. That's why I love it too. Like um, obviously everyone aspires to be in the NBA, but I love the G League. Like I tell everybody I know, it's second to none. You got that right. And, and Jimmy, let me ask you this, man. Uh, so for is is when you develop any guys, do you ever go over plays with guys? Do you ever draw a place for them to make them try to show you the X knows themselves, kind of make them see if they really understand the play? Have them draw it for you on the board, kind of give you the what, – what does this play mean to you? What are you trying to accomplish with this play? Are you trying to get a three-man a layup or get an open three on the weak side here? Do you make the guys kind of get, get in that, get that nitty-gritty with you, kind of draw it up themselves before you see what they really see? Yeah, great question. And I love X and O's, so I really try to take pride in it, especially with the guys I work with. Um, I show them where their shots are going to be from and kind of talk them through it. Like, this is what it should be like. If they defend it this way, this is going to be the option. This is what we're going to see. And as time went along this year, uh, we ran a lot of ATOs for our shooter, like our top shooter on our team. And I was responsible for his development. And I would meet with our head coach before every game, and we're going over ATOs. Like, and then I know, hey, we're running this play, first play. It's going to be for him. So in pregame warm-up, we're repping that play. And so he's already getting in his mind, like, I'm coming at this angle, this speed. This is where the ball's coming from. Because how many times you run up, you got a great play, you run up there, the timing's messed up, the guy doesn't get the ball where he's supposed to, he doesn't know the angle he's supposed to take. But for me, it's just like, if he can feel confident in doing it, even if it's a bad pass, it's off rhythm, he knows what it should be. And uh, I think it worked out well. I think it ease their mind a little bit going to the first game, the first play of the game at least. And uh, he, I mean, he's a really smart player, so it's not really my doing, but he, uh, he understood the game at a much higher level for a first year guy. It was impressive. Yeah, you know what I love about that as well. And a lot of time after timeouts in the NBA, they want, they want to zone it up now. New thing is when they want to zone it up because they know you have a good man in play. So, yeah. so yeah, they want to zone it up now. <laughs> I know the, the Blazers are good for doing zoning up to that. The Celtics are as well. Enough field teams will have to zone up to after timeout plays. And, you know, I'm like, you got a good player, y'all. <laughs> they come out in a 2-3-1-3-1 one, one, zone yes. up. <laughs> and throw y'all. I don't blame. Yeah, we're not we're not dealing with this today. Like, I, let's just do something that one that we might not even work on it. Let's go zone one. I don't even want to see this thing. Like, I, I agree. <laughs> it, it, it's funny to me, man. Cause like I said, you know, for me, man, 
watching the game is a little different for me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at, I'm looking at everything. I'm, I'm just watching. I'm looking, I'm looking at the strategy. I'm not even looking at what you're looking at. I'm looking at who's come off, the, who's the backside fielders are doing a pin down, who's flailing on the back end, who's uh using the post to draw a double and see if we can get some on the, on the other uh, weak side there, you know, who's helping off the oh, strong side. You know, what I love about the Celtics and the Heat is, is they'll help off the strong side three, which is very rare. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I was just doing it, but hey, they do it very well. They get they usually get back and give a hard contest as well to it. So I give them credit for doing that. I wouldn't personally do it, but I give them credit for doing it. <laughs> no, they, they, and the Raptors too. Like all all those three teams, and there's something to it, right? Hey, they were three of the top four teams in the East, and um, you know, like you not want to give that shot, but you also don't want to give a drive up either. So like, there's a give and take, and those guys. Like, to their credit, those guys on all those teams compete so hard. I think they compete more than probably anybody in the league. So, uh, I get why they can do it, and they're long, and you build and you recruit to that. But, man, it's a tricky balance. You know, you give up a direct lot, direct pass. That's an open three. So, I always tell people, Jimmy, it's uh, anybody's about the slots and the gaps there. It, right there, that's what it's all about. How you can fill slots and gaps and build that wall. That's what it's mainly about, like the Milwaukee Bucks. Because I know Kenny was up the Nets, so I, I know it from the Hawks being Atlanta. But the, the defense is build a wall and give up three pointers. I know, I know who it is. Protect the paint. So it's like I've seen it love up close to personal for when Bud was here in Atlanta. So it's like I know what the defense is. Like, oh uh, yeah, They're like it's about that slots and gaps there. Defend the paint, pack the paint. We'll let you make – if you can make 125 threes and beat us, hey, tip, tip and cap. But if you can't, we got you covered, you know. Yeah. I think that's the game, right? Like, you, you're trying to take away the easiest shots and take away the better players from getting open ones. And if you can do that no matter what your scheme is, I think you're going to win more than not. If you can just get guys to buy into, like, going back to the Skyner report, right? Like, who's the shooters? Who's the drivers? Who can you help off? Who can you not? Help? You're trying to play the numbers best you can, but trying to keep it simple at the same time. And I tell young Kyle Cosgrove all the time, look here, look here. There's in NBA, guys are going to miss assignments. It happens. Don't take it personal. Just look at the film, correct it, try to be better next time. Because when you hear the moment, yes, you might panic and, oh, oh man, I helped off Steph Curry. What's wrong with me? I should have, no, stay with him, let Draymond get you a three. You know, it's like, it's like hey, it happens. You get hit, hit, hit the moment, you're a competitor. You don't want to, okay. <laughs> so, but yeah. just take the miss assignment, watch the film, be better, be better next time. Right. Exactly. Like, and you got to know they're human too. They're not trying to make mistakes. I think that's where a lot of coaches kind of, I don't say a lot of coaches, but I think a lot of old school coaches from the college world, like you know, the players aren't trying to make a mistake. Like they're trying to do the right thing. They don't want to give up an open shot, but it had like, it, you could, you don't know what they're thinking. Like, you know, they could have thought there was, should have been the gap and he wasn't leaving the shooter for half a second and it's in his face. But, you know, I think when the player's intentions are right, you can't be mad. You know, next play. Like we as coaches, we got to move on too. And I think, Jimmy, sometimes coaches overreact. So let's say, for instance, that you go from a man to a zone, they give up and make one open shot, they got a zone real fast. Maybe just they just made a shot. You know, you can't overreact to a, a made shot or greatness. Or if a guy makes a tough three, you can't go crazy about it because you defend it right. This is better offense to better defense right there. It's better offense. Just, just go with that and be and be okay. Be okay. Live with that and live with that result. If he does it all that long, fine. If he doesn't, we win. Right. 
I think that's a great point. I think um, watching the Miami and the Celtics series, uh, their first game, the Heat threw zone at them. What I think it was like 20 possessions or so. But the Celtics scored at an above point per possession. And you would look at that and be like, oh, they were pretty good against it. But when you watched it, they just made some tough shots. And so in thinking about it, like if someone just looked at the stats, they'd be like, oh, maybe they don't go back to the zone game two. They did. And the zone was unbelievable game two for Miami. And, and so like people want to just look at numbers and that's easy. The numbers aren't going to lie, but it doesn't tell the story either. So I think like as coaches, like you got to walk, like, all right, take the numbers, let's look at the film and see what it looks like and then make adjustments from there. And Jimmy, I don't know how you feel about this, but I hate plus minus that. That stat to me is, is very misleading because you may, they may well have a big run while you're in the game, but you probably impacted the game. You know, he was, you know, he made, 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 made a big run or, you know, if you play a lot, and they make runs while you're in the game, your plus minus is going to be bad. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't tell a real story. You could have been making every rotation. You could have been making every shot you did was designed for you, and it just didn't work out because you was on court when they was us was going crazy, crazy as well. Uh, so it really don't tell a full story, like you said, of what really went on on the court that night. No, especially like one game, so many people get wrapped up. Like they'll look at the halftime, like, oh, he was a, you know, minus nine. It's like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> what did it look like when he was out there, right? Like, did they bank in at three? Was the end of the shot clock? They throw something up that went in. Was it a bad foul call? Did he come in the game and they were at the free throw line? It's already two points. Like, you don't know how they're looking. So, like you said, like, that's something you don't want to overreact to. Now, over the course of, like, 50 games, like, all right, you you got something there. But for one game, a lot of people look at it and they'll be like, Tyler Hero had a tough one last night, I think, plus minus wise. But, you know, that's really not an indictment just on him, right? There's four of the guys in the court with him. So, um, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but one game and people overreacting, I'm with you. That's just <laughs> and Jimmy, being in the media now, like, you know, seeing guys ask questions about, like, you have no clue about basketball. <laughs> Some questions I hear asked of coaches, I cringe because, you know, I, 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 I know the game. So, y'all don't know. Y'all just asking the question off, off a piece of paper. You couldn't even say, you, you can't even ask his coach about the, the backside pin down. You can't even ask him about two time on a, a drop coverage. You can't even ask him. You just look at, well, he didn't make shots tonight or tell us about his. Ask, ask about the actual game. Impress the coach. Don't look at a yeah. paper and ask a little, little dumb question. I hate that about my colleagues in the media, Jimmy. I hate it, man. It sucks. Oh. They don't, don't know the game. I, I love when you hear like the detailed questions about like kind of what you're saying, right? Like, it's not like, all right, well, you guys are missing shots. Well, like, hey, when you guys were running floppy two and you guys were getting open looks and, you know, why didn't you keep going back to that play? You know what I mean? Or, like, take it a step further. Be like, you were, you know, you got great looks running this action. Uh, shots weren't falling. Why didn't you go back to it, you know, and, or something to that extent. And I think a lot of times, like, people in the media, like, get mad at Bill Belichick. Well, when you ask him a detailed question, he responds with a detailed answer. And, you know, I think he really respects those questions that you're talking about. And I, I agree with it. Not that I, I would ever be as short as he is sometimes, but I respect it because uh, he wants you to think about it critically. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Man, Jimmy, I'm impressed with Romans, man. I cringe sometimes, man. I, <laughs> I cringe, buddy. <laughs> like, ooh, this is just so yeah. media guy. Because, see, my – my degree is not in, in media, Jimmy. It's in business. So my degree is not in media. So I, I didn't go to journalism school to learn how to do this. I needed to learn this one as being who I am. But, <laughs> but it works It works better that way. Like, I'm much better knowing, like, I could never be, I don't think I could ever be on TV, but I know the game well enough that I could talk as, like, a coach might see it, but I might not be 
the most well-versed, like just grammatically on TV. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, see, I'm, I'm an athlete, so this don't, like, what? Look at that. Do you even know what a pin down is? Do you even right. know, do you know what a flex cut is or a rim roll? Can you, oh, he was dunking the ball. That was called a rim roll. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Do you know what a, a flare or pop-up is or a pop-out? Or can you talk about a triple screen? Or can you do anything, you know? That's so important because I think that's where you get, like, really the analysis and getting the coach thinking. I think even even when you ask players, I think I've seen Deshaun Watson last year break down the last like, amount of plays of a game when someone asked him a question, and everybody was like, wow, this is the insight we want. Well, ask those type of questions that's going to lead to those type of answers, and you'll, and you'll get it. Like, I would love to sit down and like ask LeBron questions about the game in depth because you know how he processes the game is at such a high level, and, and you want to hear that. Uh, at least I do. Hey Jimmy, I had to tell somebody on my and my colleagues. I said, "Ask you know what the strong side is or the no, <laughs> the side the balls on." <laughs> <laughs> <It's really complicated. laughs> the, the weak side. The ball, the, the where the ball is not. <laughs> you know what the rotation is? No, they is they. That's when they rotate to the other player who's open. You know what help side is? <laughs> you know, I say, I say if you see them on the on the block looking at the strong side, they're in the help side. They're looking to see where they need to rotate to. I I try to break it. This man been in the business twenty years, Jimmy. <laughs> His questions, I talk about it. Or tell us about. <laughs> so, so yeah, man, I cringe, buddy. I cringe. So I, pre I appreciate good questions as much as anybody does. That's for sure. I love talking about it. So tell us about, you got two books, man. Tell us about your books, man. And what's about you write, write these books that you wrote, man, that you can get online. We're in 2015. You can get them online, people. So, Jim, tell us about your books, buddy. Yeah. It was just something I did, honestly, to supplement income when I was coaching Division Three and moving on in the business, just because, for those that don't know, you don't make much money in this business when you're first starting out. It took, you know, eight years of coaching before I made a full-time salary. So, you know, I'm studying things, and I thought, well, you know, why not share this information if I'm coming across it? And someone said, like, hey, we'll pay you, you know, before, like, selling it as eBooks before, and you can get a cut from it and, and just get your name out there as well as putting out the good material. And so I started doing my own thing, and I'm like, all right, let's study the pack line. And so I studied the pack line and put something together. And like, people are like, we, we paid money for this. So it, it was never anything I wanted to do initially to make money. But when people wanted it and I was like, well, you know, you're not making a whole lot coaching division three and making the move to division one in a sports staff role. And, and so I did it. And, you know, it was a way for me to connect with other, co other coaches too and share the game. And um, I'm trying to advise younger guys now in the business to do the same thing, both to learn, but then, Hey, you know, if you, if you're not in the business, don't have a job, but you can take a volunteer high school job, hey, put something together and sell it. See if you can make some money, a few bucks on the side to help you grow your career. And I think that's, you know, the best way to kind of get involved in this business. And people say, like, oh, I can't make it financially. Well, find a way. It's out there. Like, you can make it happen. Well, definitely. I can say as well as, well as a way, Jimmy, because, you know, basketball is never going anywhere. And, you know, a lot of guys are starting to age out. So there are opportunities now coming because, let's be honest, a lot, of the, a lot of guys are starting to age out. A lot of the legends are going to be leaving the game here real soon. So get it in the pipeline now. That's why I love what Adam Gordon does with Rising Coaches and Brian Burton, those guys, because they're putting young coaches on the forefront because they need a pipeline. 
and, yeah. and you gotta know somebody to get a job in the business. But if you put something out there, people know who you are, recognize who you are, network, network with other guys. Hey, they might get a job in there. They, they go, you're in. They, they go, you're in. You're assistant coach. They be one, two, three, assistant coach. You're in there, so you can keep working your craft and getting better, and then you move up like you did. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about. Like, you need to show people, like, it's not good enough anymore just to know somebody. Like, you got to show somebody that you know the game or you have something to back up your name. It's kind of like your resume, but it's a portfolio of work, right? Like, you can just say, I was at school, some blue blood, I, I did this, I was here, I was here, I was here. But if you show, like, hey, this is, you know, every end-of-game situation I've categorized from the last three years or whatever, and you're able to showcase the work you put together, I think that goes further than just saying, like, these are the stops I made along the way. You know, that's my best advice to the young guys now. Most definitely, Jimmy. I feel like, you know, man, like, you know, this business is so fun. I, I love coaching. For me, I have most things I remember from my, I learned from my coaches. Coaches impact young men's lives so much because you're with these us guys closely on the court, spending time competing, but also just talking about life. And I feel like coaches impact you more than anybody in the world other than your parents because of how close you are, because of a common goal, common interest, and it breaks down that wall of where you trust each other and you learn and you grow. And the coach helps you become a better man, a better husband, and a better father going forward throughout your life. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing, especially developing relationships to this level and just trying to convey to them, like, hey, like, we're in this – with you like we're trying to help you go someplace that you didn't think you can get to and if we can help you along that journey like the guys that weren't with us this past year that we had two years ago i'm still in touch with those guys because i want to see them reach their dreams and help their family and you know be able to support them by this game and uh like taj mccall wasn't with us last year in long island but i'm still in contact with him i want to see him you know i want to see him score 40 points in the nba game hopefully not against us in brooklyn like the brooklyn nets but like, you know, I want to see him do the best he can possibly do in this game and see him grow both as a person and as a player. Most definitely, like Todd just said, he's with our college sports Skyhawks here. And how was it, Jimmy, seeing that they know to have us have a team in Atlanta now, the Skyhawks? Now, how was it coming down there to the Gateway Center seeing those guys play against you guys this year before everything got shut down? Yeah, you know, that's a beautiful place. Um, they did a great job with it. That's perfect size for the G League. It's, you know, the whole design, I love being down there. It's cool to see the G League expanding uh, and to see those guys on the team. Uh, you know, they came from Erie and Taj down there and seeing them. And, uh, you know, he he came ready to compete. So I, I love seeing him in person. And uh, it's such a great place, you know. Uh, the basketball history down in Atlanta is, you know, shooting up there with any city in this country. And uh, for them to have a G League team that's close by and not in Erie, that's only going to help Atlanta in the long run. And you think the G League will eventually expand and get more guys on the rosters and maybe NBA expands the roster, but where they like really, really can send more guys down. Hopefully expand the roster, we can send more guys down and have guys in the pipeline because, you know, having a pipeline of young men to call up if somebody's hurt for a game and send them back down and be good. Have, you have seven, you have two, two eight players, but maybe a few more spots for that so you can have guys to develop in your system and, and maybe help you down the road and so you're not having to always go scour with a waiver wire to find a guy somebody's hurt all the time. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope it gets to that point. I think you'll see that there's going to be more G League teams than the NBA team probably the next few years, especially with Mexico talking about having a team and uh, like Grand Rapids, it seems like they're always going to have a team, even though Northern Arizona is getting rid of theirs. I think at some point you'll see Denver and Portland get a team. We have the G League, that select team that's out there as well. So 
you're going to be around 30 teams coming to it, and there's going to be more that follow suit. So, you know, I think it makes sense, especially obviously with COVID. We've seen the NBA expand the rosters a little bit to allow for the hardship, extend the waiver. Uh, but you're going to need those situations. I, I think it only helps the product, uh, especially if, you know, you're playing three games in four days in the NBA and some guy gets dinged up. You don't want him to turn into a long-term injury. So if you already have a guy on your roster that can be there, that's only going to help. Like it's, it doesn't hurt anything, right? Like, so I think it's going to come a long ways. And I think, you know, the sooner you can expand it to a true minor league system, I think, I think that's where we really take off. What are your thoughts on having the, what the guys can bypass college basketball and then coming in G League for a year and prepare, prepare them? So I think it's a good idea because everybody's not made it for college basketball. Yeah, some guys a little bit, they just don't want to do it. They don't want to take a risk and not get any money, you know. So how do you think about having that, that situation there where young men go to G League and for a year there for the goals of the draft and develop and learn a little bit there and hopefully put their draft stock there? I think it's twofold. I think the players should be able to do it. I think they've always should, be, should have been able to. I don't you know the exact reason when they took it away or why the reasoning behind it um you know once they're an adult and graduate high school they should be able to you know play professionally if they're good enough to make money and i think that transition if they go right to the g league i think the g league needs to be prepared for it i think a lot of coaches uh might have only coached pros before and not really coached 18 year old kids i i think there's going to be a big learning curve for coaches to have like you're basically their parent now right like they should be in college for, you know, three, four years. Are you ready to handle them on the road? They've never, you know, besides AAU and that stuff, they've never stayed in a hotel. Well, you know, well, now you're on the road, you give them a big check and they get a per diem and they're out and they can do their own thing. Well, who's, who's watching over them, right? Like you got to make sure you have a stable culture of veterans around them to help them learn the way. Um, but at the same time, like you're going to treat them the same too. Like, Hey, you missed the bus, you can get fined or however teams kind of handle that stuff. And, uh, you're teaching the accountability really quickly. But I think if the player's dream is to play in the NBA, the G League is by far better player development-wise than anything you'll see in college. It's not even close. And so if that's the goal, great. But I think college is probably way ahead of where the G League can be as far as developing them as people off the court and the long-term that can, it can benefit from it. Now I know there's a program in place with off-the-court player development that's, that's here. And I think the G League is doing a great job in the NBA to a part of the NBA world. But I think NBA organizations need to hire accordingly to make sure that they have guys that can coach and develop them off the floor as well. That's going to be a big piece of it. In my opinion. And Jimmy, how has offseason been with COVID here for the G League team? Because, you know, things stopped in March there. So how has that been? And what does it look going ahead trying to make sure you get you guys who might be on the roster next year, you know, keeping them guys in strength and conditioning-wise, developing-wise, when they're not with you guys because of COVID right now? It's, it's hard. Um, but – you know, I know a lot of the guys have reached out to our strength coach and trying to stay in shape and do their own things. Some guys have more access to things that, you know, others don't. Uh, I try to stay in touch with a few of them pretty periodically and just, you know, some basketball stuff for sure, but just checking in on them, like, see, what are you watching on Netflix? What video games are you playing? That type of stuff. Just just anything to get in their ear, talk some hoops a little bit. Like, who do you got in the playoffs? Who you got tonight? Like, uh, hey, I saw this play. I was thinking about you. And so you can't really beat them on the floor. A lot of them getting back in the gym now pretty consistently and you see like all the stuff on Instagram so you're trying to follow it and see what they're doing and what are you working on and things like that and unfortunately like we're not really with them um, the way the contracts were too and some of the guys like signed overseas already to other places so trying to follow them as much as possible too and you know some guys in Russia some guys in Australia and them getting ready for their seasons and 
just trying to stay in touch as best you can and, you know, like just hoping for the best for them. That's really what it's about. Man, Jim, it's been fun, brother. I'm glad, glad to have you on, man. I knew this would be fun to have you on. I told you it's going to be fun, man. I told you. I told you it would be good, man. Man, you're the best. This is great. Hey, we got to do this again real soon. And we come to Cogs Park, man. Let me know, man. We got to get to get together, man, for sure. Oh, I need some good food spots. I'm always trying to find some good food wherever I go, so. Hey, it's a weird spot, but trust me, six six feet under. It's as the name is terrible, but it's a great, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great seafood spot. <laughs> it's a great spot, man. The name is just horrible, man. That's all. <laughs> hey, I'm down for it. When we get down to Atlanta, I'll be sure to make a trip there, and I'll definitely give you a shout. That's for sure. Hey, Tim Lizzie's got some some good uh, tacos. Pick any three tacos you mm -hmm. want, man. Man, look, I got spots for you today, Jimmy. Spots for days, man. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get a sponsorship for there. That, that's what you need right now. You give them a plug, so. Hey, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Hey, Jimmy, this has been fun, brother. Hey, be safe, man. We'll talk real soon, man. I just getting down the road, brother. Awesome. Appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Hey, it's time for the Jimmy Oakman here on the Boss Man Show, people. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.